On this Reformation Sunday, I want us to look at the two verses 506 years ago that changed the world. Romans 1, verses 16 through 17, and a message entitled, The Gospel-Centered Church. Written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The grass withers and the flower fades, but know not the word of our Lord. It stands forever. Amen. You may be seated. Five hundred and six years ago, God used these two verses to turn the world upside down. God used these two verses to break through the hard heart of Martin Luther who at one point said, I hated the idea of righteousness because I can never attain it. I hated the idea of standing before a righteous God because I felt like it was impossible. But when he heard these verses and the Holy Spirit changed his heart, he says it broke through the truth that there is a righteousness, not our own, that saves us and justifies us and allows us to stand before a holy God. And it was these verses and the Reformation that was launched 506 years ago that saw a resurgence of the biblical gospel, a resurgence of the gospel that tells us that man is saved not by the works of the law, but he's saved through grace alone, in Christ alone, by faith alone, according to the scriptures alone, to the glory of God alone. And so on this Reformation Sunday, let us study this passage and be reminded yet again of what it means for the gospel, gospel to be center and for the gospel to be center here at Coral Ridge. What is the gospel-centered church look like? Well, the first thing I want us to see in Romans chapter 1, that in order to be a gospel-centered church, we must be unashamed of its message. We must be unashamed of its message. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Now, we need to remember the historical context in which Paul is writing this. Paul was an arrested criminal of the state, arrested for preaching this gospel. He's what you might call a repeat offender, arrested over and over and over again. Paul was beaten over and over again because of the message of the gospel. He was thrown out of almost every town he went to for preaching the gospel. So if anyone had an excuse or a right to be ashamed of the gospel, it was Paul, arrested, beaten, thrown out. When he goes to Mars Hill, as we read two weeks ago in Acts chapter 17, 
He's called an idle babbler, made fun of and mocked and scorned. If anyone had reason to be ashamed of the message of the gospel, it was Paul. But ironically, it's us in our day who are ashamed of the gospel. Living in the comforts of the North American church in the West in the 21st century, and we are the ones who are ashamed of the gospel. We don't want to sound backwards. We don't want to sound old-fashioned. We don't want to offend anyone and talk about how the gospel applies to all of life. Sugarcoating the message, watering down the message of the gospel. Ironically, it's us 2,000 years later not being beaten, not being thrown out of town, that are ashamed of the gospel. Our neighbors and our friends probably have no doubt what team you cheer for. And maybe your friends and neighbors have no doubt what your political affiliation is. But do they know that you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. In our society in the 21st century, it is us who are ashamed of the gospel, not even willing, if the statistics are true, to share the gospel once with somebody in our life or our sphere of influence. And Paul reminds us, in order for the gospel to be center center of your church and center of your life, you must not be ashamed of the gospel. Paul would reiterate the message of the gospel and the priority of the gospel to Timothy when he writes, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn away from the truth and turn aside to miss, but you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. We have the word. God has spoken a good word to us and we must not be ashamed of the gospel. The second thing I wanna point out, a gospel-centered church must also be confident in its power. The second half of verse 16, Paul says, it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, both to the Jew and to the Greek, that God's grace is indiscriminate. Be confident in its power. The word power in the Greek is dynamis, It's where we get the word dynamite from. Paul is saying that the message of the gospel is the dynamite of God. Therefore, have confidence in it. The power to destroy the cosmic effects of sin from top to bottom. And it is the power of God to whoever believes And we must be confident in its power and confident in its sufficiency 
because our work in the gospel will not be in vain. And the sufficiency of the gospel, unfortunately, and the power of the biblical gospel has always been under attack and continues to be under attack in our day. You hear things even in the North American church that maybe we need another message, another strategy, another mission in order to tackle and to confront the ills of our society. We need to listen to the words of Paul. It is the dynamite of God to everyone who believes. So in every pursuit of our lives and everything that we confront in our lives in both private and public, may we never be a people that lose confidence in the power of the gospel. I wanna ask you, do you really believe in its power? Do we really believe in its power to transform and to heal broken marriages? Do we really believe in its power to save our prodigal sons and our prodigal daughters? Do we really believe that it has the power to grow churches and to transform cities and to transform cultures and nations and the world? Do we really have confidence in the power of the gospel in a society where everyone is looking to the government as their savior. May we double down as a church and say salvation is found nowhere else in heaven above and on the earth below. Salvation is found only in the gospel. Do we really believe this morning that it is your greatest need not just your greatest need of salvation, but your greatest need to sustain you as a Christian, to sustain you in the Christian life, to sustain you from beginning to end, that God has not only taken care of the penalty and the power of sin, but one day he will take care of the presence of sin and glorification. And from beginning to end, it is the only power that has the power to save the only power to transform our world. Do you believe this morning that the gospel is your greatest need, our church's greatest need, our community's greatest need, our nation's greatest need, and our world's greatest need? We must be confident in the power of the gospel. Paul tells us that we must not be ashamed, that we must be confident in its power, and third and lastly, he tells us that we must be clear about its promise. In verse 17, it says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, for the righteous shall live by faith. What is the promise that is revealed in verse 17? That the righteousness of God is revealed in the message of the gospel and that the righteousness that you and I long for is received by faith alone. And the reason we must be in the 21st century church crystal clear about how one receives the righteousness of God is because it's our world's only hope. 
that the longing of every human heart is to be made right, is to have a righteousness of our own, to be made right with God, to justify our lives and to justify our existence. And that's why our culture and our society is exhausted because we will try every attempt to justify ourselves and to produce our own righteousness and to live according to the foundation of our self-righteousness to no avail. And the promise of the gospel is this, that only by faith alone can you and I secure a righteousness that allows us to stand before a righteous and holy God. And in an age where the gospel is under attack and people are calling us and the church to adopt a new message and a new strategy and a new ministry, we need to say that not only is it wrong but it is demonic and it is wicked because we are robbing the world of its only hope. It is only through the preaching of the biblical gospel can man be saved. It is only through the preaching of the biblical gospel can our world find its only hope. Every religion says then in order to be right with God, it requires a righteousness of your own. It's up to you. Produce a righteous life and one day present it to God. But the gospel alone says you do need a righteous life, but you don't have the power to produce it. That the righteousness of Christ is imputed to you by faith alone in Jesus Christ our sin laid upon Christ and Christ's righteousness laid upon us, that is the biblical gospel. And we must be crystal clear about its promise and how salvation is achieved. This is the message that changed one man 506 years ago. It's a message that changed the church and it changed the world and it has the power to change you today. You might be here this morning or watching from home and you don't know the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You might say to yourself, well, I'm not good enough. You're right. You're not good enough. You never will be. But the message of the gospel is Christ was good enough for you and that if you confess him as Lord and Savior this morning, then that righteousness of the gospel can be revealed to you and you can receive it by faith alone in Jesus Christ. I always knew that Jesus loved. I always knew that God loved Jesus. But the day I discovered that God loves me like he loves Jesus, that transformed my life forever. That is the message of the gospel. Our sin put upon Christ, his righteousness put upon him, us, so that God the Father would forever look at us as if he was looking down on his very own son. Listen, our world is being crushed right now by the weight of trying to manufacture a righteousness of their own. And we have the answer. 
And we have the hope as a gospel-centered church to continue to boldly preach and proclaim the only hope of salvation, the only hope for a world riddled with sin and broken and crushed by the weight of self-righteousness. We have the hope that we have the privilege to carry out to our city and to our nation and to our world. This is the longing of every human heart and we have the hope of the gospel. So what do we do? In a sin-sick age that rejects the gospel, we call it out for what it is and we remind the people of the only good news that is our only hope in life and death We explain to the world that rejects the gospel that God created this world and he created humanity in his image, but we chose to rebel against that God and sin and death and darkness came into the world and we have been feeling the effects of sin ever since and we stand in our unrighteousness before an unholy or before a holy and righteous God and we long for justice in our day, but justice will destroy us. But God in his grace sent his son, not born by ordinary generation, but born of a virgin, the God-man who lived a perfect life on your behalf, who fulfilled the law perfectly and went to the cross where the gospel tells us he who knew no sin became sin so that you might become the righteousness of God for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. This is the gospel we preach. This is the gospel that centers our church. And brothers and sisters, it is more than enough. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, Lord, may we never waver from the truth and the hope of the gospel. 506 years ago, you reawakened your church to the glorious good news that God saves sinners through Jesus Christ, that the righteous shall live by faith alone. And Lord, I ask on this Reformation Sunday, if there is anyone here or listening to this message that has always thought that in order to make their life right, that they somehow had to manufacture a righteousness of their own, that it would be revealed to them this day that the righteousness they need to stand before a righteous God cannot be produced by their own efforts, cannot be produced by their own works, but was produced for them on the cross of Jesus Christ. May they confess Jesus this day as Lord and Savior. May they believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead for their justification, for their life to be made right before a holy God, 
that you took their sin, that you took their unrighteousness and in exchange gave them the robe of righteousness that allows them to forever stand before God, holy and blameless. This is the good news, the only hope of our world. So may many come to know Jesus this day as Lord and Savior and cling to the righteousness of Christ alone And for us that know the gospel, that have been saved by the gospel, may we never be ashamed. And may we never lose confidence in its power because it is the only hope for a sin-sick world. It is the only hope for dying men and women and the only hope to transform this city, this nation, and this world. We pray this. In the matchless name of Christ, the one who promises that although the body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. Amen.